Hello, my beautiful people, and welcome back to another episode of Hot Healthy Never Hungry. Today, we have a very special guest, a former client of mine named Molly is coming on the show. She's really cool because she works in the beer industry. We talk about alcohol, going out to eat, of course, because that is a huge part of her life. But besides being in the beer industry, as she discusses, her husband is also a fitness studio owner. So she was doing all of the workouts, doing all of the things, but still was not seeing success. And I think you're going to really love her episode, not just because of how candid she is about being able to show up for yourself and making changes, but she really gets into like the nitty gritty of the diet changes she had to make to get to where she wanted to be. She was one of those women where she wasn't a beginner. She was doing actually a lot of things right, but it really was what she couldn't see and didn't understand that was actually the things that were holding her back. So I'm so pumped for today's episode. I've been dying to have Molly on the show also because she is literally a poster child for losing body fat over just losing weight. And her transformation is literally insane. You've absolutely seen her progress photos before if you've ever gone to my site or you followed along on Instagram. They are so inspirational. She is such a gem. She is so sweet. She is so down to earth. And I'm so excited for you to get to know her as well as I've gotten to know her as a client of mine. On that note, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to Hot, Healthy, Never Hungry, a podcast dedicated to changing the way women eat to lose weight so they can feel their hottest. I'm your host, Lauren Hubert, former fad dieter turned registered dietitian. Each week, I'll share all of my favorite healthy eating tips and swaps, help you through frustrations on your journey, and show you the science behind losing weight. Hot, Healthy, Never Hungry is here to make weight loss simple, fun, and easy to stick to for life. Hello, ladies. We are here with Molly, who I know you just got the whole background on my fun little intro, but I'm so pumped to have Molly here. This has been such a long time coming. She's my little Boston babe with me, living in the Northeast, cold as hell. Molly, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. So exciting. And I always start at the beginning. And I think about when I first chatted with you, first started working with you, I think about you working out feeling, I would say frustrated, not seeing progress, but also just like so hungry. I love that word hungry, like so hungry to see success. Like not that you are physically hungry, but like hungry (laughs) for the weight loss success and really wanting that transformation. So bring me back to, you know, around the time you applied for coaching or honestly, the, the moment you decided you really wanted to get some outside support and help towards your goals. What was going on in Molly's life and her fitness journey at the time? Yeah. So I was really frustrated. I was working out like crazy. My husband owns a gym in Boston and he runs like boutique intense fitness classes. And I was going to his classes about six times a week. And honestly, like the reason I was so frustrated was because I felt like I was doing so many things right. And, you know, I really liked to eat healthy and obviously I worked out all the time. So it was kind of like this frustration of like, what else could I be doing? What am I doing wrong? Because it doesn't really feel like I'm doing anything wrong. (laughs) But to back up further, about a year earlier, I had gotten married. And that year, I got married in 2022. In 2022, I just had a ton of events, weddings, bachelorettes, and plus that post-wedding like bucket mindset of like... Which is a very real thing. Oh, wait, I'm glad you're bringing that up because... Not that I like gained weight after I got married, 
but you're so excited. You're coming off of like working so hard for the wedding. And it sounds like it happened to you too. Maybe it's just like a Boston wedding thing. But like, I remember just like kind of being more like relaxed and like, you're going out to eat, you're married now. Like, it's just like this new identity. And it is so easy to get off track after you get married. And it has nothing to do with fat dieting. It's just like your life is so different. And it feels good in the moment to not like care so much about like having a thousand photos of you in like a wedding dress. But yeah, I mean, I had a lot going on and it got a little out of control. And by the time I signed up for 90 day Fitbit body, I was just like, really like, okay, I need some guidance here because I think I needed individualized personal attention because I was doing a lot of things right. I think I always thought of it before as like, if you need one-on-one attention, you must be doing everything wrong. But really, it's like I needed, I think I needed small tweaks, small changes that I didn't know. And that's super insightful. And I'm really glad you said that because a lot of times when we're incredibly stuck because we don't know where to begin, we always talk about beginners and like exactly what you should do. But I think honestly, what's a lot harder is when you are doing a lot of things right, when you're not just you know, not that we're, we're, we're actually, no, we're going to go there. It's not like, you know, you're eating fast food every meal. You've never worked out a day in your life. And like, you know, there are massive things in your lifestyle that need to change when you're doing like, let's say 80 to 90% of it. Right. But you're still not seeing success. Honestly, that's usually when you need the most support versus someone who's like a beginner, because what may have worked in like the past, that's no longer working for you. And I think another layer of this that I can personally relate to as a dietitian, and obviously you're not a trainer, it's your husband's business, of course. But when you are the wife of this gym owner and you're going to all these classes, I'm sure there's this dynamic of, okay, I'm putting in all of this work and I have so much access to like the gym and being fit. And like, I'm sure that's a part of your relationship. And when it's still the progress and success is not coming, I can only speak for myself, but I know it adds this like other layer of frustration. And I know I've felt that way personally as a dietitian, like I'm supposed to have my shit together. I know a lot about nutrition, but still like nobody is immune. And that's the point. Like nobody is immune. Like you could have unlimited access to a gym and unlimited access to food, but that still doesn't mean the success is going to come for you if you don't know what you need to change. Totally. And I think like specialized, you know, expertise, he is so good at the exercise component of it, but he doesn't know what he's doing when he's like talking about diet and nutrition, you know, (laughs) he's the first to admit that. So yeah. And I, I think I also, I think it's all about being in the right mindset too. I think in 2022 or towards the end of 2022, when I had gained that weight, I was equally as frustrated, but I wasn't in the right mindset to like actually make changes. Ooh. Oh, that's a big statement, Molly. <laughs> what? We got to dig into that a little bit. What about the mindset in 2022 when you gained that weight? When you think back to that statement of I wasn't ready to make those changes, why were you not in the right mindset? What was that mindset that you had at the time? Well, I think at the time I just thought it was going to be too difficult with everything that I had going on with like the six weddings I had post mine with all the bachelorette parties, you know, we had a road trip going on, but it was just like one thing after the other. I had changed jobs recently where I had to be out and about 
at bars a lot more. I'm in the liquor industry. It was a lot all at once. And I think now, of course, knowing what I know, looking back, I could have lost weight while still doing all of those things. But at that time, I was not ready to make any lifestyle changes in order to get to to where I needed to be. And I think I kind of, in the back of my mind, knew that. And when I did end up joining, I was sort of in the place where like, okay, I'm actually ready to like change certain aspects of my life in order to, you know, meet goals that I have. Oh, hell yeah. And I actually really appreciate you bringing that up because I think it's very easy. (laughs) We have this expression inside of TSN. It is very easy to swipe your credit card. It is very easy to sign up for something. It's very easy to get told what you need to do, what you need to change, but the doing it, that takes another level of readiness. And for the success that Molly is going to describe, like all of her transformation, it wasn't just the information. It was because you were actually ready. So for you to be able to acknowledge, and we all have those moments in our life when like maybe we're not ready to hear a certain bit of information or we're just not ready to make the change. I feel like we actually don't really talk about that a lot in the fitness space. We're all like, you know, make this change, start this plan, you know, change your diet, change your workout. But it's like, This conversation of are you actually ready to make those changes and why are you ready and why is it important for you to make those changes? Like, those are actually the more important questions that have to come before any of the changes that you make, or else you'll have all of these desires, these hopes, these dreams to lose weight, but that shit won't happen for you because you're not actually committed. What you're describing is being actually committed to your goals. Right. And for me, at the time, I thought it was like all these barriers, but really it was the mindset of being committed. Oh, absolutely. So when you think back to your diet post-wedding, 2022, living life, I'm sure just like me, you were going out to eat, living it up, more alcohol, right, with your job and your career. What was your diet like as you gained that weight, if you remember, to the moment when you realized, okay, right before you started to make some changes? Then we'll talk about the changes that you made to your diet, but I'm curious about what your diet looked like before. Yeah. So my diet before, and again, I really didn't think of it this way until now, but I was really in, and I know I've said this to you before, in like an accidental ketogenic diet. I have a gluten allergy, as you know. And then I also just happen to like meat and cheese and fat and stuff. Don't we all, girl? That's all I've been craving lately in pregnancy. Yeah. And so I had the wherewithal to know that like carbs aren't bad. Like I never really was like afraid of carbs or like trying to avoid them. I just kind of naturally did so because it was, if you told me I couldn't have another piece of bread for the rest of my life, I'd be like, okay, that's fine. (laughs) But like charcuterie is my downfall. (laughs) Heartbroken. That's not going to happen. Yeah. I love that you call it accidental keto. And I feel like there's a lot of women out there that can relate to that. Because of course, there's the the anti-carb, low-carb people that are really afraid of keto, especially women that we work with. And I know you know inside of the program, but I feel like there's this new segment of nutrition and and dieting that's like everyone who's accidentally keto, just because like the food industry and a lot of the products out there and really just what you gravitate towards. So anyway, you are accidentally keto. You were kind of low-ish carb, more protein, animal-based, dairy-based, that kind of vibe. Definitely, definitely low carb and definitely high, high fat. And again, like it was foods that are very healthy. You know, there's nothing wrong with them, 
but I was definitely overdoing it. Like I was having a lot of avocado, a ton of olive oil, salmon, ribeyes, you know, like just very high fat foods, which again, like they're great for you and they all have really great benefits. I wasn't eating a ton of ultra processed foods, but I realized now that I was, my ratios were kind of all off. So yeah, a lot of that. And then I was out, like I said, out a lot. And so eating out a lot and drinking out a lot, as I mentioned, I'm in the liquor industry. So I would drink at events for work. And then I would also drink with my friends and with my husband. And so like, I wasn't ever overdoing it in like individual scenarios, but you know, it added up. So I would have a drink here, have a drink there, have a couple drinks, you know, with friends and with when we were out to dinner and stuff. And it just, in the course of a week, I would have a lot of drinks. So I had a lot of veggies in my diet already. I was kind of also giving breakfast. I was fasting because when back to in like 2022, when I was getting ready for the wedding, I did start intermittent fasting and I was really strict with it. And then post-wedding, I was less strict with it, but I was still skipping breakfast kind of thing. So that was sort of what my diet looked like, I guess. A lot of fat, alcohol, and fat. <laughs> fat, alcohol, and fasting. <laughs> I'm trying to think of an F word that starts with alcohol. But I'm like, okay, vodka, tequila. No, we don't have an F word. What's, what's an F cocktail out there? Anyway, y'all- There's got to be one. <laughs> I'll think of one during this call. <laughs> By the end of this call, we're going to think about it. You guys, DM me and let me know. <laughs> but high fat alcohol that adds a lot of extra calories to our diet. And then also you said fat, alcohol, and- Fasting. <laughs> fasting. Yes, that was the other F, fasting. And I think what I'm reflecting on in your diet and obviously working with you that I'm sure you'd relate to and agree with is a lot of the struggle that you also had was because you were doing a lot of positive things that, you know, for some people could help you lose weight or um, aren't things that are necessarily bad, but you weren't really following a plan, meaning you were eating really healthy, but you weren't following a plan that was specific about like the amount of calories or the amount of protein or, you know, how, how many meals you're having and how you're distributing all of your calories and portions throughout the day in your meals. Would you say before going through this experience that you were kind of like winging it? Is that the vibe that you had towards weight loss? Or were you the type of person that you had followed specific plans before similar to like the strict fasting that you did ahead of your wedding? I was definitely winging it. But you know, I had tried things here and there. The fasting was the one that I suppose I did for the longest. But again, I wasn't really like, really doing it. <laughs> like, I would wait till, you know, 11am to eat or whatever, but I wouldn't necessarily stop at seven. So yeah, I think winging it is a good way to describe it. And I think that I was eating a lot of like whole, clean, quote unquote, foods. So I thought like, you know, I'll just eat as much of that as I want. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Now, when you joined coaching, what were some of those aha moments that you had related to your diet that made you be like, okay, it's not like the choices that I'm making are wrong right now, but this needs to tweak or this needs to change for me to get to where I want to be. What were some of those aha moments that you had? I feel like there were three big ones, to be honest. One was my macros. And I've never had a problem with protein. Like I've always gotten enough protein. 
And I know that's like the first thing you focus on, but I feel like when I had my intro call, I like gave her an example of what I eat. She was like, okay, you're good on protein. <laughs> you're fine. Yeah, protein is not the problem. It is actually, drum roll please. Carbs and fat were all out of whack. And like, you know, you gave me, you gave me my targets and I was like, what? <laughs> like everyone has that moment. You want me to eat 160 grams of carbs? Like I'm hitting maybe like 70 on a good day <laughs> right now. So that was like an aha moment. And I honestly, I, I didn't really even know how to like do that. I remember having a coaching call with Hannah and being like, I don't know how to eat carbs without fat. Like, what do I do? Yeah. It's like, and you're already eating a lot of fat too. So then you're like, okay, if I choose this carb, oh no, like it's actually increasing my fat. Or like you might think something has a lot of carbs in it, but then you're like, oh wow, it actually has more fat in it. Like what, what am I supposed to do? And, and that's really interesting. You know, a lot of, a lot of women, I think fall on two sides of the spectrum. It's either you're really overeating carbs and you're not having enough protein or you're eating plenty of protein because you have a high fat diet and a lot of those fat sources just might have some protein in it, but then the carbs are extremely low. And so that's what was going on with you. Right, right. And she kind of like walked me through one of my days and was like, okay, well, maybe don't have like, I think a big thing that she pointed out was, I don't know if this is a term, but like fat stacking where I would have, you know, some sort of meal with avocado olive oil, cheese, and like chicken thighs. And she was like, okay, well, this is a lot of fatty things. So like, why don't you switch the chicken thighs for chicken breast, have a quarter of an avocado, and then a sauce that's not maybe so high in fat. And and then that will make room for more rice or quinoa or whatever. So it was, it was like this game of Tetris with my fitness pal, <laughs> basically, that I had to be like shown on a computer center and be like, oh, okay, I think I can do this. <laughs> yeah. And just like restructuring those portions. I actually love that you use the expression fat stacking. I know we talk about it, but I don't think we've ever put a name to it. So I'm literally going to steal that name and start using it with my clients. I'm sure Hannah will do the same. But it's true because it's not that any one of those high fat foods are bad or high fat foods are fattening. It's that high fat foods can be fattening because it's so easy to go over your calories. When you start also looking at, okay, if you're having a chipotle bowl and you're having sour cream, you're having cheese, you're having guac added to it, and you're having the salad dressing, it's not like I want you to give up any one of those specific foods, but all of those foods combined are all going to be higher in fat versus if you picked and choose which ones are worth it. And it's just one of those things that you have to remember you're on a fitness journey, you're on a fat loss journey, we're trying to change our body composition. So that's the type of thing like in maintenance, we can all get away with that, right? But when we're actually trying to lose fat, it's like, okay, it is like a little bit of a game of Tetris. And it's one of those things like with food logging, and it sounds like you had this experience. Well, I know you did because obviously I worked with you, but being able to see it in a food logging app and see the nutritional value of each of those things that you were adding to your bowl, for instance, in the example you did with Hannah, that allows us and allows you to know what changes to make where when you're just thinking you're eating healthy and you're intermittent fasting, you're like, okay, these are healthy choices. Why the hell is this not working? And then you get frustrated, but then you like peel back the layers of the onion and you're like, okay, I understand why I was never hitting my calories because I was fat stacking. I was having four or five different fat sources at meals when I could have made just some simple swaps and it didn't have to even feel like I was depriving myself. And it actually allows more room for those carbs to fit in too. And your, total, your plate looks totally different when you make these changes as well. 
Right. And even like in the course of a day too. So like if I'm having steak for dinner, that's obviously going to be a little bit of a higher fat meal. So maybe for lunch, I cool it on the cheese and the avocado and then like I survive and it's fine. <laughs> and you have that cheese and avocado literally the next day because you have more fat, quote unquote, calorie money to put it towards. Yeah. So you said one of the first things was the fat stacking and just like the macros was that big aha moment for you. What were the two other aha moments that you were mentioning? Well, alcohol. I mean, that was like a huge thing. So as I mentioned, I am around alcohol a lot for work. And part of my job is to like be in bars and restaurants ordering drinks. (laughs) What a fun job, by the way. Yeah, it sounds sounds fun. It's not as glamorous as it sounds. To all of my liquor industry girlies and who are inside of coaching or just follow along with Hot Healthy Never Hungry, this episode is literally for you. And I don't want to take away Molly's thunder because she's going to share it here. But I've been wanting someone in the liquor industry on this show. So I'm really glad you accepted it, Molly. Anyway, what about your career and having all this alcohol around you and not even having alcohol around you, but partaking in the consumption of alcohol related to your job? Tell me more about that. The changes that I made was really to, because like I like drinking and I love specialty cocktails. Like I love wine and I'm always going to love those things. It's not something that I'm going to give up because I don't have you know a problem with alcohol. I just enjoy it, which is why I'm in the industry. <laughs> but I had to sort of make some decisions on when it was worth it to indulge in alcohol because alcohol is an indulgence. You know, it's not something that maybe you should have every single day just because it's there, just because you feel like you should for your job. So for me, what I ended up doing was taking a look at my week. Like I have, you know, a pretty full social calendar a lot of the times. And so I would be like, okay, well, Saturday night I'm going out with my girlfriends. I'm obviously going to drink that night. So all of these events that I have throughout the week, it's not worth it to me to drink. So I would kind of like pick and choose when it was worth it and try to be like a little bit more intentional with it. So, you know, I didn't feel like I was restricting myself. I was just kind of like, I'm going to feel better if I have one drink at this event instead of two, and then save my drinks for like the weekend. And if I didn't have a lot going on on the weekend, then maybe I'd have two drinks at an event instead of none or one. So I kind of set drink limits for the week, you know, in a flexible way of a set of five drink limit for the week. If I have six, it's not the end of the world. But that was sort of like a big change that I made was it was specifically with the work events. Like when I really sat down and thought about it, I was like, this isn't worth it to be having these sugary drinks because that's what it is. It's never just like a vodka soda or something like that. And it's more worth it for me to have them at a different time in the week. Yeah. It's really just picking and choosing. And I know we talk a lot about worth it foods, but I loved your explanation of it because it's not about the sacrifice. I think we view when we cut something out of our diet as deprivation, we're not going to you know, be able to have it. So it's like a bad thing. There's a connotation of bad associated with it. But for you, it was never about restriction, not having it, and it being a bad thing. It was actually the gateway to your success by being able to pick and choose and you owning when you were having it 
And in the same way, you know, you allowed yourself to have the fun drinks still. Like it wasn't like you just were like, okay, the solution here is I have to order a plain vodka soda every time I go out and not enjoy these specialty cocktails. No, it was actually about, okay, this is what I value. You draw that line in the sand and it's more about how can we be solution oriented and make it fit in and work. I literally remember you went to like Cape Cod, Molly, like this is so niche of a memory of mine. You went to Cape Cod, you were going out to dinner. And I remember we had like planned the week and like you were talking about like alcohol and like really what was worth it. And I don't know why that memory is coming to mind, but I just remember you being so open to changing alcohol in your diet, which I know for some women, there can be a lot of resistance towards. So for anyone out there listening to this, that alcohol isn't like a problem, like they're an alcoholic but they're a social butterfly. They have a lot of work events and personal events in their life. And they just genuinely enjoy cocktails. They enjoy very great drinks. They enjoy just the culture around it. What would you say to those women who are scared to cut back on their drinking because it is something that they enjoy and it's a part of their life? But of course, they're also working towards their fitness goals. What would you say to them? I would say really try and think about like when it's worth it. Because like you said, I really love wine as well. And like my husband and I would open bottles of wine on a Wednesday for no reason. And we don't do that anymore. You know, we don't really drink at home anymore unless it's like a Saturday and we're staying in and it's like purposeful and intentional. I would say like pick and choose when you want to indulge in the alcohol and you don't have to give it up. And I think another big thing with me too that I changed was like my hangover eating. Oh, tell me about that. Because I still get hungover and I just don't eat like a monster the next day. And like it's for me making little switches on like a Sunday when I'm hungover where I make my meals a little more nourishing, but not necessarily more unhealthy, like an extra scoop of rice with my like bowl or like an extra slice of cheese just to make it feel a little bit more indulgent. That was a big switch too, because sometimes I would have a lot of drinks on Saturday night and then Sunday it was like pizza, Thai food, fried, whatever, like everything under the sun. And that's such a mental thing. I don't think that's a real... I was going to say, I feel like, and I had this conversation with a client this week and I think you'd really appreciate it. This client, I've worked with her for a very long time and we're past the diet culture stuff. She has a great relationship to food. You know, like many of my clients and many of all the women listening to the show right now, like you understand what is diet culture versus like what is actually true for weight loss. But I feel like because of the world we live in, and I just said this to her so bluntly, and she's like, yes, I totally agree. I think we're soft. I think we're soft in the dieting space at times because it's almost like unless you have the fun food, it's diet culture and it makes us feel pressured to have it. And I think not only pressured to have it, but it almost validates overeating. It reinforces gluttony. It reinforces always saying yes because yes, it can fit in. But you know, just because alcohol can fit in, do you need to be having alcohol every day? From a health perspective, fuck no, you don't need to be having it every day. Just because something can fit in and Thai food is like my favorite food, it doesn't mean it has to fit in after a night of drinking and you already went over your calories the day before. Like These are all choices. And I think why I say the word soft is that's not me saying diet culture, you can't have it. 
it's just being able to think logically about food and what our goals are. And I actually, before I even was going to bring up this tangent, I was going to bring that up in what you're saying because I think just something so great about your transformation, Molly, is you're so about personal accountability. You don't put blame on anything else, but you take total responsibility for your success. And I think that radical responsibility has to be taken for the type of transformation that you saw. So I don't know if that resonates with you at all, but I feel like our culture is just a little too soft about saying no to food. And it's like, it doesn't have to be a big deal. Yeah. And specifically with the hangover thing, like I don't think it's science that you'll feel better when you have greasy food. Like I think that's like mental that is ingrained from you when you start drinking. Yeah. And our inhibitions are down. Like people be texting their boyfriend, their ex-boyfriends, not boyfriends, their ex-boyfriends that they shouldn't be texting when they're, you know, drunk and intoxicated. Like that same shit is happening with food, right? So like you're not in a proper headspace. That's why you're making those choices. And so it's not that we're saying, I mean, I love having pizza when I'm intoxicated. That is great. And I'm also pregnant right now, guys. So I haven't even done that in a very long time. (laughs) So we're reminiscing over here. But like you have the choice. And I think it's about really owning the choice. If you're going to have it, own that decision. But I also think at the same time, just because you can have something or that's usually how you respond in a situation, that doesn't mean it can't be changed. Like that's a really rigid mindset and that's the shit that will hold you back. Yeah. And like, I know you say this a lot, but like you can have everything, you can have the drinks, but you just can't have it all the time every day. So for me, it was really about like deciding when it was worth it and choosing it and kind of owning it too. Like you said, like I would be like, I'm going out with my friends on Saturday night. I'm going to get drunk and I'm going to be hungover on Sunday, but like I'm going to prepare for my hangover and buy a more healthy version of like my hangover foods and deal with it. (laughs) You know, like it's fine. You can still have fun and you can still drink and you just have to like be a little bit more mindful. I feel like some people that I work with, you know, it's like the opposite. Like it's really worth it for them to drink at these really cool work events that we go to that are like kind of once in a, you know, you don't go to them socially. So, and they don't really drink outside of work. And so it's different for everybody. But for me, it was more worth it to cut the drinking at work. At work. That doesn't sound very good. (laughs) At work events. (laughs) We know what you mean. Yeah. (laughs) I have to ask. So the high fat macro piece was one thing. Alcohol was the second thing. Was there a third thing that you had mentioned that was like this big aha moment for you? Yeah, it was the it was the exercise. I don't know if you remember, but I started 90 Day Fit Bay Body. And then I think four weeks in, I sprained my ankle. How could I forget this, Molly? How could I ever forget this? I remember and you were devastated. Because I was like traumatized. I know. Traumatized. <laughs> so like before I even joined, like I said, my husband runs the gym. And so I was working out like a maniac six days a week. I was strength training three days. And then he has these really intense cardio classes that are outside running all over the city. And they are really like very intense. And so I was doing that at least three, sometimes four times a week. And so I sprained my ankle. It was a really bad sprain. And I was so upset. And I was like, this is going to ruin everything. I mean, the doctor told me not to like stand for 10 days. (laughs) And I was just, I was like, absolutely like 
completely bummed. And I'll never forget you were like, I know that you probably don't believe me, but this could be like a really good thing. And I was like, whatever. <laughs> I st- literally, I'm I'm thinking of a shout out to Laura. If she's listening to this, she joined probably like three or so months after you. I don't even know if you guys had any crossover, but her first round, she had something similar with an ankle inj- injury as well. She was training for a half marathon and that was like super devastating. And <laughs> I said the same thing to her too. And everyone has the same response. Like in the moment, of course, you're like, no, like you don't want to hear it because it feels so devastating. But it is funny now, obviously knowing your story, like looking back, it can be a blessing in disguise. Looking back, not putting words in your mouth, why was hurting yourself early on in coaching actually a blessing in disguise for your progress? Yeah. So obviously I had to be off of it for a long time. It was, I mean, it was a really bad sprain. It was like a third degree sprain. So Oh, the third degree sprains are like horrible. It's actually better to break your ankle versus getting a third degree ankle sprain. Literally what that doctor told me. And I was like, that's not helpful. <laughs> Thank you. I wish I would have broke my ankle yeah. already. Dr. <laughs> Susan. <laughs> so I was off of it and I went from being so active to being completely sedentary. And, you know, we adjusted my calories and stuff, but once I was able to start walking, I started walking and I went back to like strength training and just upper body for a while and, you know, slowly incorporating. And then (laughs) the weight started to melt off. Like it was the strangest thing. I mean, it's not now that I know better, but like at the time it felt like the strangest thing that I had stopped exercising and I started to see progress. And I think what was happening was that I was just doing too much of the high intensity stuff too often and really throwing my body all out of whack. And again, I remember a coaching call with Hannah where she said specifically like women, sometimes if they push themselves too much, their cortisol levels just spike and your hormones get all out of whack. And if you're doing too much of the high intensity stuff, it's not going to pan out for you. Yeah. And then you pair that with your diet too, which by the way, not eating enough carbs, eating a very high fat diet, not like recovering properly from exercise with like, by the way, for context guys, the more intense you work out, the more your body needs carbs. So I think that's actually an important piece of your story, Molly, because then we have this macro stuff that's going on before coaching and eating high fat, higher protein, very low carb. And then we're also doing all this HIIT training. And of course, like calories are king, but there's like this other stuff going on in your body that can prevent you from seeing fat loss as well. Very interesting. Yeah. And before I joined coaching and, you know, this got a little bit better once I started incorporating carbs, but it was still there. I was exhausted during my workout, like absolutely barely could make it through. I was just like completely depleted. And I think that was a huge part of it was the lack of carbs. But also, again, now I realize I was just overdoing it. So obviously now I'm like healed, my ankle's fine. But I've scaled back on the cardio, like hit classes to two times a week and then still strength training three times. And the other interesting thing that's happened is my strength training has gotten so much better. I think because I have more energy to put into that and that's how it should be. The strength training should be like the forefront of your exercise routine and the cardio really should be supplemental. And like, It wasn't that I didn't know that, but I just was like, 
trying to do it all, all the time, partially because I thought that was the right thing to do. And also because it's my husband's gym. So I just wanted to go and I had fun, you know, but yeah, like I'm actually, since I cut it back, I was actually able to see progressive overload results and lifting heavier and building more muscle. And that wasn't happening as much before because I was just, my body was tired. (laughs) I was overdoing it. (laughs) You were mentally tired. You're like trying to lose all this weight and shit's not budging. And then your body's tired. Like, like, no, bitch, like, I'm not going to make those changes you want me to because you're not giving me what I need. Yeah. So both of those are part of the dynamic. Now with the strength training, this is a perfect segue into something I obviously wanted to ask you about. Because when I think about Molly, I think about progress photos. I think about not always just relying on the scale. And of course, Molly saw the scale move. But I also know just like the physical transformation was so, so big for you. So really quickly, what was your relationship to the scale like when you first began coaching? Was it like a positive thing for you? Did the scale not bother you? Were you like a slave to the scale, weighing yourself multiple times a day? Give us that context of how you were with the scale. Honestly, I didn't put too much weight into the scale. No pun intended. I love the humor. (laughs) I joined coaching and I was like, I don't care if I don't actually lose any weight on the scale. If I look different when I look in the mirror, I'm good to go. So I really just wanted a body composition change, especially like I came into coaching and I didn't have a ton of weight to lose. So it really was about like that body composition change. I wanted to build muscle and lose fat at the same time, which is why I came to you in the first place, because that was like your whole thing. I remember talking to my husband about it before I joined. And I was like, I mean, she specializes in exactly what I'm looking to do. But the scale, I didn't have a terrible relationship with the scale, because I understood that I could lose fat, but the scale might not change. I love that. And I think it's refreshing for a lot of women to be hearing this right now because I think we put the spotlight on a lot of stories sometimes that like we're a slave to the scale. We have such a bad relationship to it. I mean, heck, I'm the walking billboard for this because that was certainly me when I was younger. But I also know there's so many women out there that are either working towards having a relationship to the scale like this or honestly are already bought into it ahead of coaching like you were, where it really is not about the scale because it's really about how your body changes. And for you, Molly, in your words, not mine, talk me through when you look at progress photos of yourself, when you look in the mirror and you see how much your body has changed, talk us through how that really felt for you. Because I know firsthand you're one of those clients where the weight loss graph is great, but like the physical transformation you had is really, really like the star of the show here. So yeah, walk us through like when you first like saw those progress pictures of yourself and you saw those physical changes and you're like, oh my gosh, I look so different. Like what that was like for you. Yeah. And even though I said I I don't put too much stock in the scale and everything, even so when you don't see it move that much and you're in a weight loss program, it's kind of impossible to not feel a little bit like, ah, what the fuck's going on here? And and question yourself, you know, because you could be feeling good, but then you're like, but like, am I good? Right. Should the scale be going down? Right. And like progress photos, I mean, you're not, you weigh yourself every day. You're not going to take progress photos all that often because I mean, what would you see? So when I did take those first progress photos, I was pretty surprised. I mean, I knew that like my clothes were fitting better and stuff, but seeing it like, side by side, I was shocked. I mean, because I had only lost like five pounds, but it looked like a lot more than that. And what really like 
propelled me into even like taking the plunge and joining the program was the fact that my clothes were not fitting me the way I liked anymore. I'm a big like fashion person. So it was like really driving me crazy that I was like, ah. <laughs> I personally relate to that. Like, yeah, you know, the scale moving sure affects us mentally. But if you like, you know, clothing and outfits and style, I feel like it takes like, it's such a bigger stab in the heart because you're like, I can't wear my clothes. And you just don't feel cute. Like you, you could be cute and everyone could say you look amazing. But if you don't feel good in your clothes, like Houston, we have a problem. Yes, exactly. And things don't look the same. That was driving me crazy. But when I saw the progress photos and then when like clothes just started fitting me like the way that they, you know, used to and everything, I was, I mean, I was so happy. It was like, oh, this is working. I am like seeing results, even though it's not as much of a weight loss graph, like you said, like it's uh, nuanced, I suppose. Yeah. And you know what you're making me think about? I've never asked someone on this show this question. This is a good question for me to end with. Leaving coaching, we often talk about the progress picks and like, okay, in this amount of time. And, and that's why I think progress picks sometimes get a bad reputation for a good reason, because you could see a progress photo on someone's site, but it's like, okay, what happened after the progress photo? <laughs> that's really of interest to me. So when you think about after the progress photos that you took and that we've you know, obviously discussed in the program and you know the success you've seen in the program, I'm really curious to hear about leaving this experience now. And I know you live this in your real life, so I'm excited to hear your response. But how has it been this transition for you going into the real world? And gosh, I forget how many months it's been, but like it's been months since we've worked together. And now we're obviously touching base and doing this podcast. But tell everyone out there for women who, you know, are very focused on the 90 days or the 180 days, like what it's really like after that. Cause that's really where a lot of this matters more, I'd argue, than like just inside the coaching program. Anyway, what are your thoughts on that, leaving the program now? Totally. Yeah. And I was very like a little nervous about that leading up to my last couple of weeks. I was like, I've seen a lot of progress. I want to see a little bit more progress. I'm ending the program. But you guys teach us so many tools to work with once you leave. And it's not about hitting your goal at the end of 90 days. I mean, if you could if everybody could do that, like what that would not be real life. <laughs> so well, you would know better than me. But I feel like the majority of people that probably do your program don't hit their goals in 90 days. It's about teaching people to learn how to continue this until you're ready to stop and enter into maintenance and all that. So that was kind of like another aha moment for me when we talked and you were like, you know, to see that little bit of extra progress, you're you're going to need to just continue with the program and make little tweaks that you know you need to make and keep on keeping on. And just, I mean, I lost, I'm like 10 pounds down now, but I started in May. So it's been a long time and it's about consistency and not speed, <laughs> right? The goal is shouldn't be to like lose weight fast. It should be to lose weight the right way so that you can get to a place where you want to be while also living your real life. I feel like what I'm doing now, I feel like I'm almost at the point where I want to get into maintenance. And also like understanding that this isn't the only time in my life I'm going to gain weight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure down the line, I'm going to gain weight again. So now I know the tools to like get into a calorie deficit again and 
work towards those weight loss goals again. Like I'm not naive in thinking that this is this is it. I lost the weight and now everything's perfect. <laughs> Don't we all wish it was that way? Yeah, but it it's funny to poke fun at it, but it actually is something that is actually very true because a lot of women do go into experiences like that with that in mind. And it really has to become the really corny expression of there is no expiration date. You're literally describing what it means to be fit for life and what the whole point of this is. Whether you lose 10 pounds in less than 90 days, it takes 90 days, it takes a year because you're living your real life and you're having break weeks that are maintenance weeks in there and you're going on vacation and like you're giving yourself the space. But then you have other weeks that are more push where you're home for a month straight and you're able to get your workouts in and your diet in check and you know do this all right. Like you're making it fit into your life. And it's important because you're so right. There are ebbs and flows. I mean, you're talking to someone right now who's pregnant. And you know your body is going to change, whether it's pregnancy, whether it's going through family stuff, it's going through work stuff. It's just you're you're having a difficult or really even a really happy point in your life. I mean, talk about post wedding. That's where we put on a few pounds and we talked about it. And it's it's about not having this expiration date and end date to it. And that's what I love about your story because I know when we like when we hop on a call, Molly, I know you're one of those people that you know what you need to do and you can get yourself out of any situation now. And that's the point of this. It isn't just lose 10 pounds in 90 days. It's Molly has these habits. She knows how to eat in all of these different situations. And if she ever gets off track, she knows how to get her shit in check again. Yeah. And and that was a good point too. I kind of forgot the whole push and pull. Again, like looking at my calendar in the terms of like the next three months, like what is this like a crazy month where I have weddings and events and, and trips and whatever. And maybe that's more of a maintenance period for me. And then these next four or five weeks, I can get down into like a little bit more of a on track mode. So I think for me, a lot of it was looking at my life and seeing where I can like plug and play everything because my life is not changing because of what I'm eating, but I can, I can adjust. <laughs> you can make it fit. You're making me think of the macro kind of Tetris with like the fat and like figuring out how to fit in the carbs. And the same thing applies to your lifestyle. It's like fitting in the push and pull. If you have six weddings in a span of three months, you know, maybe this is not like as hard of a point versus like the next three months after that. It's like this push and pull, but it's also still knowing even if you do have a lot going on and your lifestyle is a certain way, there is still stuff that you can do to show up for yourself. And it's, it's also having that real talk with yourself, which is obviously everything you shared, which is so good. Yeah. Oh my goodness, Molly. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We're going to have to have you on again, maybe in real life in Boston when I move back. Yeah. So good. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me and good luck. Good luck with the baby. Thank you. Hey, girlfriend. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you'd like to learn more about eating right for fat loss and never gaining weight back, I'll be continuing this party on Instagram where you can find me at sorority.nutritionist posting inspiration every single day. Also, if you're wondering where to get started on your journey, be sure to head to the sororitynutritionist.com backslash quiz to take my free quiz that will tell you why you aren't losing weight and what you can begin to do about it so you can see progress faster. You can also find any other links and resources mentioned in the show at the sororitynutritionist.com under free resources. 
I hope you have such a beautiful day and I will see you next time, girlfriend.